decoded. Welcome to this episode of the Founder Tech Decoded podcast. I am delighted on this episode to be talking to AJ, who has been running the Founders community for the last couple of years, which has come up consistently from Founders um, as being probably one of the most mentioned, most loved, I would say, communities that has supported uh, founders throughout their journey. So it's going to be fascinating to sort of draw on AJ's experience from that. He is, uh, I guess, an expert in building communities rather than audiences. So communities consistently comes up um, as something that people to aspire to. It's very rarely achieved. And um, at the moment, I think he's calls himself a fractional community builder um, who is available to lend those insights, if so. Once we've had this discussion and you want to talk to AJ about community, I'm sure at the end he'll tell you how we can do so. Um, he's looking 15 years ahead, he tells me, um, towards his own uh, startup um, that he is still formulating and he is looking to recruit the team for before he actually necessarily knows what that team is for or before that mission is refined, which is a very interesting approach that I've not quite heard before. So AJ, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much, Dan. That's a lovely intro and uh, a nice mixture of past and present day, uh, which is which is unique. So thank you. Pleasure. Um, let, let's dive in with founders because I'm I, I being sincere, uh, you know, I, over the years it does come up. Um, so let's just make sure people understand that the spelling is F-O-U-N-D-R-S, um, so without the E. Um, do you just want to give us um, a, a quick intro into that and your role um, over the last couple of years with it? Yeah, of course, I'd love to. Founders, and I love what you said in the intro, Founders has so much love. And I think love is definitely the right words to use um, because Founders was started and has been run from such a pure place of wanting to support people through the very difficult journey that is running a startup. It's all about helping founders break new ground without breaking themselves. And so founders, the story goes back, I think it's about nine or 10 years when two incredible entrepreneurs called Dan Murray Serta, who now runs a startup called Heights, and Rob O'Donovan, who has done a whole host of startups and syndicates from Charlie HR to now ventures together as a syndicate of series A or series B plus operators. Uh, they started it uh, nine or 10 years ago because they'd been to so many networking events where they had people throwing business cards in their faces saying how everything was going great with their startup. They were killing it. And Dan and Rob felt the opposite. Uh, and why wasn't anyone talking about how difficult it was? And so then they started gathering some startup friends together, started with dinners where it was all about being very real, open, honest, and vulnerable about the real crap that we go through as founders. And people loved it. One dinner led to another, it led to another, and it's ballooned uh, soon starting retreats uh, and a whole host of other things, which um, then nine years later, we've got around 370 members um, we host retreats, day events, dinners, drinks, walks and talks, uh, loads of virtual workshops. There's an online Q&A forum called Copy In, and 
ultimately it's just this incredible safe space where people can be very open and honest about the real challenges that we go through and given that being a CEO and being a founder is a very lonely and stressful high pressure journey um, people really relish that opportunity to meet like-minded people in that safe space so there are obviously in the UK but wherever there are startups there are founder communities but most of them don't really work right they, they are they, they start they have a sort of an initial spurt um, they don't they don't work in terms of kind of people actually caring about them what was it and is it about founders that that, that made differentiated it that made people care like I know you mentioned the things in terms of kind of like its guiding principles but how did you execute those um, and what was in the execution that made people really feel like I want to be here I'm supported you know I care about this Mm, it's a great question. First, I think the first point to mention is that it's very difficult to keep a community going, to keep the energy high, and to keep that involvement and investment of time and energy from the members in the community. It's really, really tough. Uh, And so, as you mentioned, a lot of communities start because people see the need for them, they see the problem. uh, But underestimate the amount of time and energy that's needed to maintain them and i think that the first uh, i mean the first and second points of praise obviously have to go to, to rob and dan and then the extended founders core of people who remain super engaged so founders was member run and volunteer led until i joined two years ago um and so a, it required a lot of energy and time from Rob and Dan and the volunteers. But then secondly, in terms of the values and living them out, that is something that I have sort of personally adopted as being, you have to lead from the front. So it, our values are speak vulnerably, candidly, and from experience, pay it forward, and remember to have fun and don't take yourself too seriously. And so I feel that as CEO over the past two years, I have had to uh, embody those as much as possible. And founders is very much something that I needed, I wanted, I was craving so deeply. And so then it, it was a, a very good founder market fit, uh, or even though I wasn't the founder, maybe the CEO market fit. Um, and so then I lived and breathed the community uh, and specifically embodied, let's say, the speak vulnerably, candidly and from experience. At every single event, I would push my comfort zone to really pour my heart out and be as open and honest as I possibly could uh, about anything that was going on in my life. Now, I have to caveat the fact that I'm I'm a younger guy than most people in the community. Um, I was 25 when I joined. I'm 27 now. Most people in founders are in their 30s to 50s. And also most people are sort of seed through to IPO. Or sorry, everyone is seed through to IPO, but most people are around Series A. And I've personally never got Series A. So there was definitely this sort of imposter syndrome that was uh, that was heightened when I joined founders. Um, but nonetheless, I still found other things Um, that I could be very honest and vulnerable about. And that then set the tone. It gave people permission 
to to live out the values, to be as open as, as, as they can be. And then the last part is that Founders has been invite only for the whole of its existence. And so it's very, very strongly about uh, do we ha- is there a clear value alignment of people coming into the community? Are they going to hold space? Are they going to be non-judgmental? Are they low ego? Um, these are probably the most important questions that we ask when, when a new person is joining. Uh, and then once people have been to the experiences, they know the quality of people that come and they recommend people um, only after a lot of careful consideration. So, so if, if I could, I'd like to just sort of, you know, create a, a case study just, just so people listening can get a deeper insight. Let's say I am a male founder at seed stage. I'm trying to scale my business, let's say, I don't know, let's say into other markets. And I'm trying to raise, you know, another round. I'm trying to hire. It's causing stress on um or, or, or not just on my mental health, but it's impacting my decision making. I'm starting to run out of runway. Um, I can feel myself sort of like losing focus. Um, you know, I could keep going. We can get, we get the idea. Like, how would that how would that founder come to founders and 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 express that problem and get the support for that problem? So, there's a range of options. One is if there's a retreat happening, we do weekend long retreats from Thursday afternoon till till Sunday afternoon. If there's a retreat on the horizon, that's definitely the best place to come, share your challenges, be inspired by other incredible people who've been there, who've done that, or other people going through the same problems. Um, And then there's a lot of advice. There's a lot of experience sharing. There's very little advice. So one of the things that we do is called tribes. Now, this is um, just our word for it, but lots of other communities do it. So YPO call it forums. Ice call it cubes. But the 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 format is a small group sharing circle of eight or so people who follow a very clear structure for a um, meeting where they share the biggest challenge they're facing at the moment and people share relevant experiences related to that challenge. And so it's very much not advice driven. And that actually, that value is definitely um, threaded throughout the community. And so that happens in, in every aspect of it. So they'll come to a retreat, they'll get a lot of um, experience shares, and they'll get a lot of space held for them. Uh, And we do tribes at um, the retreats. Tribes also happens on a, uh, if if they want to invest in it as a standalone experience, then that happens once a month for for them and their group. And so if they're in a tribe, then that's the obvious place for them to share. Uh, Otherwise, if there's a specific problem that they're facing and can articulate as opposed to just there's so much crap going on, I'm feeling super overwhelmed and stressed. And if, if they can narrow it down to, to a single problem and they can articulate it, then that would be the perfect um, question for an online forum where it goes out to all of the members and people really take a lot of time and effort and care with responding to those questions and sharing their experiences again. Um, so there are lots of different places that people can um, get supported by the community. And then there's lots of things that I, I never see. Like there's lots of um, conversations and one-to-one messages that happen as the result of connecting people in these group, 
sort of circumstances. Um, and so I imagine if they've been in the community for a while, they'll have met loads of friends. Uh, and so there'll be lots of conversations um, in the background. Um, so. Yeah, that makes makes complete sense. So I, I want to run the sort of current podcast founder tech thesis by you because you see yeah. so, you've seen so many founders, um, and this we feel like is like maybe in the last six months this kind of archetype that I'm going to describe. And I'd love to hear if that resonates with what you're seeing because you've seen so many kind of spread of founders across so many sectors and demographics and stages. So. Mm-hmm. What we're seeing, which sort of started out as a theory kind of 18 months ago, is that actually there's a new class of founders that are being elevated, that are being elevated through their ability to do more with less capital that is initially deployed. So they are using tools, a whole range of tools now, broadly under the category of founder tech, you can obviously call them whatever you want, but that's, that's what, that, how we would recognize them, that enable them to sort of stay very agile, very transparent, very lean, Fractional would be a, a new term that's certainly come a, come a, come around recently and been been obviously used. Obviously, AI, uh, GPTs, all of this comes into the mix. And so, what you have is you have founders that you know it's been said for a long time that you can get things off the ground for not a lot of capital. And there there was things like you know obviously family and friends or crowdfunding that maybe a decade ago were what what came into um, to step into that space. Whereas now, if you are a, a founder with high domain experience, you know, a complex understanding of a terrain, a market problem, peer peer respect, reputational capital, all of those kinds of things, you can now achieve a lot through prototyping, no-code, low-code, founder tech, all of these things, you can get a lot off the ground and get visibility off the ground, number one, and that's now your responsibility or to find someone who can help you with that, of which there's many people who can help with those skills. And then once you're in that position, you're going to be recognized if you can take less capital initially, get off the ground, navigate your way into that problem space and elevate yourself by sort of short sprints that show that you are, with less capital, that show that you are, um, yeah, that you, you're not only cannot operationally execute and that you're capable, but that you, that you have that sort of, rather than that kind of mythical sort of secret source, you're actually dem- de- demonstrating it, which means... It's much better for you as a founder because you can actually are involved in a good faith conversation in which you have agency and can participate in. And it's much better as an investor because you are using less capital to achieve more. It's more efficiently and therefore it's economically prudent and rational to behave in this way. That's the summation of the of the thesis uh, today. It's not a bad one. It's, um, what do you think? Are you are you seeing that? Have you been seeing that play out in in, in whatever form you know that that that, that resonates? Yes, I mean, definitely. I think it's also still early stages in sure. this playing out. So, I mean, first, um, I have to caveat. I'm not an investor. I've done like very, a couple of very small angel tickets. Um, and I, I haven't ever raised institutional funding myself. So just caveat that straight away. However, understood, understood. I've obviously seen um, people fundraising and founders, and I've run the fundraising group within the community where we have biweekly calls and right. people share their challenges. Um, so I'll speak about it from a high level. Yeah, great. We've been in a sort of um, a, a bliss period of, of VC funding for a while, um, and that has led to people focusing on different things and talking about different things um, in order to raise their big round. 
uh, in order to grow fast, blitz scaling, it's all about how, how quickly can we take over the market? How, how quickly can we be the biggest in, in our space? And that now seems to, seem to have come to an end. And it's now forced a shift in thinking, um, which actually there was my mentor in founders called Peter Nixie, who is an epic entrepreneur. Uh, and is a big reason to why I'm in Founders today. He went through YC back in 2007 with Dropbox, and he forwarded Michael Siebel's email from YC to the community, which was all about um, Paul Graham's article, that the founder of YC, uh, about being default dead or default alive. Now, I'm, I'm, sh- I'm sure your audience has probably heard this term, but just in case anyone hasn't, I'll, I'll explain it quickly. Is that right. default alive is given that no more investor money comes in, the startup will still be alive. That's not to say that you're necessarily profitable at this stage, but your growth rates will um, outrun your burn rates and, and you'll be profitable before there's no cash in the bank. Uh, and so then at any given time, you know whether you're default dead or default alive. And this email from, from Michael Siebel to, to the YC uh, founders and alumni basically said, get to default alive as, as quickly as you possibly can. And so that's for the existing founders out there. And so there, there is this general shift towards need to have a lower burn rate, need to hire more carefully, hire slower, need to stay lean for longer until it's there's sort of you really know there's something that you can throw money at and, and grow with. Um, they also call it the fatal pinch as well, which I think is another Paul Graham article. Um, that's, and, that's just, that just sounds nasty. I mean, the fatal yeah. pinch. <laughs> Um, no one's going to want that no one wants a fatal pitch but sorry sorry if we interrupt your flow but go on exactly um and so there is this need for the shift in thinking and this has then also caused a change in what founders are prioritizing like there's now well there's a a focus on these different sources of revenue there's like revenue-based financing like with pipe there's debt um and there's obviously this, this holy grail of profitability. Um, so like don't raise any more cash, uh, ideally. Um, and so it seems like a lot more people are now focusing on these alternative methods outside of, of, of raising from VCs. Um, and so that has then also caused the shift in founder mindset exactly to what you're describing in terms of um, being able to say lean, being able to prove more with less uh, and be able to hit these, these shorter milestones. Um, that's obviously for sort of later stage once you've maybe raised your seed, raised your series A. But for those that are earlier stages, I think was maybe what you were talking about as well. It's like, let's say you've only got an idea. Um, maybe it's your second time um, building a company. There are loads of things popping up like uh there's a company called uh zed fellows which just give 10 grand at a billion dollar valuation from the start like no um no very very founder friendly terms it's 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 an incredible opportunity for people who get it um and there are lots of accelerators incubators um that are popping up that um, promote the founders at this early stage and um, yeah I think that there are more opportunities than ever if you are 
if you're lean focused, if you're long term focused, uh, and if you have some good domain expertise. Um, can, can you just and, give us an example of those incubators, accelerators they come to mind? I'd never heard of Zed Fellows has never come up, so that's super interesting. I think if they if you do know the names of them, that would be great for people to hear, and I'll put it in the notes. Yeah, of course. I mean, the first one which comes to mind, which I I, I love talking about, is unrest. Uh, and Unrest is run by an epic founder called Or Vinegold, O-R-R, and then new word Vinegold. Um, he's exceptional, and they really focus on mission-driven, triple bottom line um, startups uh, and founders. And so they're an incredible course to go through. Um, and that they have a, a, like they're, they're blowing up, which is amazing. Yeah, I have the EFs of the world. You have the YCs of the world, um, and then you, you have a, a whole host of others that, that are popping out that um, I can potentially send afterwards. You can put in some notes, but those are the first that come to mind. I'm really interested because I want to talk about the gets this kind of difference between a community um, and um, a, a, an audience or an audience of the community. And I think a good segue into that would be syndicates like the rise of syndicates um in terms of investors and in terms of how founders might participate in that did you did you start to see um in the founders community that kind of like syndicates moving around or into the conversation of people you know a lot of them moving behaving in what's at you mentioned ventures together which i think is, is constantly mentioned as like an example of this did you start to see that kind of behavior as well these of these syndicate kind of base uh, investment models that are really agile start to pop up yes um, I suppose I, I don't have too many off the top of my head that I sure. can name, but it's definitely high in the priority list of founders who are raising. They often, the dream when raising is to not just have an investor that gives you money, but obviously yeah. have that strategic advisor that comes along with it. And so this is where Ventures Together has found this golden, um, sort of crossover of the circles in the Venn diagram where you have these founders who are sort of series B plus, they've either had an exit before or they've had some secondaries, they've got some cash and, and they know enough about startups that they want to start doing some small angel tickets. You pull together uh, over a hundred of those angels uh, and then you've got enough to do a follow on um, in any round. And so they venture together, pull together to put in sort of 100K or, or 200K, um, depending on the round. Uh, and it's, it's definitely a massive value add. You have a single um, line on your cap table as, as the founder who's raising and you have access to all of these in incredible entrepreneurs who've been there and done that. Um, uh, Ventures together again. I can only really probably speak about about VT because sure. I'm obviously I've chatted to Rob um, for for so long, and and Tom Savage is, is the other founder of VT, and I know that they get sent so many decks now that they um, are in an amazing position that they choose about one to two percent uh, yeah. of, of all the decks that, that they get sent, um, and so then what does that mean? For the founder who's sending them the decks, it obviously means you, you've got to be lean. You've got to show um, that you know what you're talking about um, and you've got to have a good enough traction and a good enough potential. Um, so I, I suppose it definitely leads to everything that you're talking about. I think there is this general movement from everyone in the startup ecosystem um, towards this more profitable, more lean uh, focused mindset. And that is being um, sort of echoed in, in the investment landscape as well. 
Yeah, so let, let, let's move from that before we, we start to wrap up in terms of kind of like, let's take something like Ventures together, have to talk about specifically. And again, it's the same thing, you know, there's lots of kind of syndicates that are going to come and go, but there's obviously the things that they're doing really right. In your, in, just drilling into specifically what you think makes uh, a, a community right, a syndicate is obviously just another community, you know, like what, what is it that makes it um, flourish? continue, you know, um, be worth joining and what differentiates it from an audience? Mm, okay. So communities are all about the people. If you have people that are like-minded, um, uh, that are all going through a similar sort of um, identifying or all have this similar identifying characteristic. Okay. So what does that mean? Uh, when when we're founders, we describe ourselves as founders. It's we we identify as it. However, you can have communities of people who are um, car enthusiasts, who are knitters, whatever it is. It has to be something that's deeply held enough that people use it as an identifying characteristic. And so then that's one aspect for bringing people together. The next is. Um, are they like-minded? This then comes down to the value sets and and how those values are exemplified within the community. And are they not just exemplified by the founders of the community? Are they strong enough such that they ripple out into every member? And do they ripple out behind closed doors? I think that was someone's definition of a, a, a good culture is that whatever happens when when the founders aren't listening. And so that's that's a good litmus test. Um and the next is in terms of the um, what what founders what the phrase that I have been known for within founders is idea of compassionate connections. Now, I th- this is just it resonated with me before I actually truly understood what it meant. And compassion I've learned stems from the Latin, which is, uh, I think, passio and com, which actually means to suffer with. And so this is what I think is quite a strong um, factor to a really deeply rooted community is that if people are suffering through something and there's a group of them who are all suffering, suffering through a similar thing, founders is a perfect example where starting a company is really, really tough. It takes a really long time uh, very few of them succeed and it's a lot of stress and pressure and it, when it's it's very lonely at the top and frankly there are a lot of bad days and there are a few good days um, and so if you're suffering with other people who are going on a similar journey that's a very connecting point um, and then lastly community has become a buzzword in the startup ecosystem over the past couple of years because of how powerful it is because um so much happens behind closed doors. So much, uh, so much value comes out of communities. There's not just an aspect of oh, you meet a friend. You could meet a friend, meet your co-founder, raise your next round, secure a next hire, and solve one of your biggest business challenges just from a single community event. Like the potential is huge, and so that's why people start using community as this buzzword. That has meant the definition has become muddied and, and unclear. And actually, people think that. An audience is a community. And so I'll I'll clarify the difference. An audience is when you have one to many. So I post on, let's say I post on LinkedIn 
and I post, I've literally made a post about audience versus community. People have responded in the comments and I respond to them in turn. That's still me interacting with my audience because it's myself to the people who follow me on LinkedIn. A community is different in that it's many to many. So uh, Founders is a perfect example where we have this online Q&A forum and anyone can ask a question and anyone can respond to that question. And whether I ask a question or not is irrelevant to whether questions are being asked in the community. And so it's many to many, it's lots of things happening behind closed doors when I, as the CEO or as I was a CEO, um, am not involved. Uh, and that's when it becomes really powerful. The, the value is sort of exponential when you're able to facilitate people interacting without you being in the room. I, th- I think that's brilliant, AJ. I think it's so, so important. I think, and I've certainly done this myself, you think you have a community, but listening to your criteria, you don't. You have an audience. Sometimes it's bubbling, starting to become a community. But th- those traits that you listed are fantastic. And particularly like, the one, you know, the, the the point of identity, all going through something together, so there's that the identity could congeal around that, and then and then you know the the many to many things happening behind closed doors, I think is so important, and I encourage people listening to this. And I, again, as you're talking, I'm thinking about it. It's like you may think you have a community, you may be telling people you have a community, but if people are going to start get smarter around what is a community. And it's very easy to put, to show that you haven't got one. Just think about it before you start to try and leverage it or start to say that you have one. You know, and it, like anything, it takes a long time and you know, consistent application of these values of that love that we talked about earlier. You know, nurturing something. So just just so to thank you for sharing that because I think it's really clear. How can people? You know, can people approach you now if they're trying to build a community? Are you now that you're you've um, moved on from founders? Can they come and listen to this that go? Oh. Actually, I'd love to kind of get your insight, your passion for this. Can they can they contact you around that? Oh, absolutely. I, I would be honored to, to talk to anyone who is either already has a community that's 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 running or is looking to build one. Um, one thing just before I um, t- talk about um, what I'm doing is a good litmus test to whether you know there is a community, someone has a community versus an audience is. If someone is telling you that they have a community and they're the only one that's telling you that they have a community, they probably don't have a community. <laughs> um, and so, but, so the beautiful thing about founders is that I get people who I've never met before and they reach out on LinkedIn or they get referred by a member and they say, oh, I've heard from so many people that founders is incredible and there's so much love and there's so much support in this group. And that's a perfect example of there's there's a community there when you see, when you see a lot of people that you respect that, that you love um, are a part of this group and they're singing its praises. That's a, probably a fantastic litmus test. Yeah, um, and again, that's sorry to, to just a point to say is like that's a credit to you um, and Dan and Rob. You know, like that that doesn't come from anywhere because it does. It's just so hard to achieve. It really, really is. It's like the it, it, it it's such a. It's so aspirational for many people, but it really is. So, so I think you should give the credit. I, I I really want to interrupt and say I cannot take credit for how magical Founders is. I am I am so, so grateful because I adopted Founders as this golden child 
and was asked to help raise it with the support of loads of other incredible parents as a part of the community. And I've just been unbelievably supported over the past two years uh, and just just so grateful to have had this opportunity. Um, I've probably made very minor improvements. I've definitely made some some, some big um, mistakes. But ultimately, I think Dan, Rob um, should take a lot of the credit, but also just the members. People show up so incredibly um, people support each other so selflessly and it's just like just the most unbelievable people in this group and so uh, I think it's it's very much a group effort. Okay well with that very very sort of humble you know like I, I mean I hear it very sincerely please do now brag about or shout about where you're going and what you're doing not brag you know what I mean like the, the mic <laughs> is yours please please do please do tell us what the next sta- stages and steps are. Um. So I've actually, so I'm just uh, just uh, reading a book, uh, and the book's called Good to Great, Jim Collins, yeah. the classic uh, um, writer. And he speaks a lot about something that really resonated with me, which is about if you build a team of A players um, and get them on the bus first, they will help set the direction of the bus, but then also they'll stay on the bus when the direction changes. Uh, and so this really resonated me, whereas before I'd had all these ideas, I'm like, cool, I want to improve how the world connects. And I have these theories as to how to do that. Um, but actually, I read this and it, and it really hit me in that I need to stop um, coming to people with all these ideas. And instead, I need to find people who are really passionate about this problem, which is that the world feels more disconnected than ever. We have social media, which makes us feel digitally more connected in, in, in quote unquote. Um, but actually, people are lonelier than ever. The knock on effects of that are, are huge. And so I want to try and bridge this gap between where technology has taken us and what we need as humans, which are this deep, meaningful, compassionate connections. And so if anyone is really interested about that, then I would love to chat. Um, in the meantime, I am uh, not naive to the idea that I know exactly how to build communities. I've, I've done it with founders the past couple of years. I did it with my community just before founders called Click. But actually, like in the grand scheme of things, that's three years of community building. Some people have been doing this for 10 years, 20 years, their entire lives. So in the short run, I'm looking to help people start and, and build their communities. Probably I'm, I'm best suited to founder communities. That's the sort of group of people I know best. Um, and so if you are uh, in the community space or if you are, if you believe that communities are a core part of your product or service, then I would love to, to chat. And the best place to, to reach me is on LinkedIn. And my name is just AJ, full stop. <laughs> um well that that that's great i do have one idea for you then on the, on on your which leads to a mission which i'm sure you've heard but but have you heard of the difference between freedom of speech and freedom of reach no know? i haven't tell me it's, it's, I, I i won't get the author is you, you could google it and find it immediately it's um so the idea is and it's, it's, it's a really really interesting one it's like you know our societies are built on freedom of speech and that's yeah. a sacred value um but they were never designed to have freedom of reach. So it was never designed that you have the right to your opinion. Let's say it's a noxious, toxic opinion to spread to 80,000 people, right? That was never built into the notion of freedom of speech. That's freedom of reach, which needs totally different parameters and framing in order for it to be 
valued and sacred in the right way. So that I, I, I've always thought that's such a powerful couplet. Probably feeds into, again, going full circle into the founders where people like that. I'm, I'm imagining there's a lot, you know, you value the freedom of speech, but the minute someone kind of tries to take over the group or the community, I'm sure it would self, self-regulate. self But that, that that's something that might be worth worth looking at because it's a really really simple but powerful concept amazing i found my next rabbit hole it's good <laughs> um listen AJ, it's, it's a real really really lovely i, I think this the I, community does keep coming up it is part of it i think again we're just at the beginning of what these new communities look like you know you, it might be a micro community of eight to ten people passionate around one area it might be like a group of investors that want to back something really early because they personally relate to it could be founders coming together, all of these things. So I think you're at the start of a really new, interesting new chapter of your your journey. So I really appreciate your time and sharing sharing the story today. Honestly, thank you so much for having me on, Dan. Um, I really appreciate appreciate you reaching out and uh, love having the space to um, talk more about community and hopefully raise the word and awareness because it, it is life-changing. It has changed my life. I've now found my my purpose and, and my passion. And for that, I'm just eternally grateful. So, so thank you for giving me the mic and, and giving community the stage. Absolute pleasure. Founder Tech Decoded. Founder Tech Decoded. Founder Tech Decoded. Founder Tech Decoded.